Hello, everyone. Welcome to this session where we will explore the intersections between climate and gender justice from those at the forefront of indigenous movements in Latin America. My name is Carmen, and I will be introducing the session shortly. But before we begin, I will provide some instructions on language interpretation in English, and then I will provide them in Espanol. To listen and participate in English, if you are using a computer, please click on the globe icon that will appear at the bottom right of your Zoom window and then select English. If you are using a tablet or smartphone, tap your screen and click on the three or four dots that say more at the top or bottom right of your Zoom window and then select language interpretation, then English, and then make sure to click on done. So we recommend you remain in the channel throughout the entire session. And if you have any issues, let us know using the chat function on Zoom. Thank you so much. Ahora voy a leer las instrucciones en español para escuchar y participar en español. Now I will read the instructions in Spanish for the use of the interpretation function in Spanish. Y si está usando una tablet o un smartphone, haz clic sobre los tres o cuatro puntos que dicen More en la parte superior a la derecha de la pantalla. Luego seleccione Language Interpretation y haga clic en Spanish. Luego en clic en Done. Y les recomendamos quedarse en el canal de interpretación. We recommend you stay in the interpretation channel during the entire session and if you have any Difficulties, please let us know through the Zoom chat. chat. Thank you so much for joining us. Mexico City, but based in London, and I'm working in the Gender Equality and Social Inclusion Program at ODI. I am also part of the team behind the Aligned Platform, which focuses on the transformation of gender norms, which as many of you know, are the these invisible social rules that underpin structural gender inequalities. And I am lucky to also work with ODI colleagues in our climate and sustainability program who lead research into how land rights should be more gender equal. And you can check out some resources being shared in the chat now. As um, one hour and a half co-hosted event, I couldn't be happier to be introducing a, fe a fellow Mexican compañera, Mitzi Violeta from Futuros Indígenas, who will be co-facilitating this conversation today and who has been very much central to the organization and preparation of this joint event. Muchísimas gracias, Mitzi, for being here with us. Odia is delighted to be collaborating with you. Align and Futuros Indígenas decided to co-host this conversation for the 66th session of the Commission on the Status of Women to dig into what climate justice has to do with gender rights. The climate and gender intersections is crucial to understanding how to build better global futures. That's why after COP26, we are opening space for this year's CSW to hear from those who were excluded from last year's climate negotiations. And do follow the links in the chat that we are sharing too. And we are here today to learn about the realities of climate and gender injustice and how they overlap from the perspective of indigenous earth defenders who live with the very present reality of an accelerating climate and biodiversity crisis 
indigenous women in communities across all regions of Latin America are organizing resistance on two fronts, to defend the earth from extractivism and themselves from state patriarchal and colonial violence. And they do this in a context also of gender inequality, while for centuries women have protected the seeds, water, forests, and ancestral knowledge that sustains indigenous communities, women still face struggles to access the spaces where decisions are made over their land. Just as an example, in 2019 in Mexico, only three in 10 rural women have communal or legal rights to a piece of land. We will be hearing directly from just some of these women speaking about the realities from their ancestral lands in Abia Yala. This includes Erandi Medina Huerta, who fights against the avocado monocultures in Michoacán, Mexico. Maria Choc, who has fought against the palm oil monoculture industry in Guatemala and has helped many women facing situations of violence. And Maria Jose Andrade, who is an Amazonian climate activist and indigenous rights defender from Quichua de Serena in Ecuador. And finally, I'm going to just share with you some logistical points. We are holding this session on Zoom to provide interpretation for our audience and to encourage interaction dialogue. Our guests are all from Latin America, especially from Central and South America. So they will be speaking in Spanish and our interpreters will be translating in both directions. So audience members can ask their questions. And we would really like to hear from you directly. So after you have heard from our speakers today, we will ask you to raise your digital hand and prioritize those who would like to speak. The team will then come to you and open your mic so everyone can hear you. And do use the chat to share resources, contribute to the conversation and meet each other. And the Q&A box is also available for questions. So now we are going to show a short video from Futuros Indígenas, which is called Manifesto and was released in time for 8th of March, International Women's Day. It will be in Spanish, but our amazing interpreting team will be translating into English as we watch. And I am going to hand it over to my co-host Mitzi before we show you the video so she can tell us a bit more background of the context of this video. Adelante, Mitzi. De nuevo, muchas gracias por estar con nosotras el día de hoy. Please go ahead, Mitzi. Thank you so much for being with us today. Carmen. Y sí, bueno, este video fue realizado después de, de, las, de una de las... Thank you so much, Carmen. So we had this video after the assembly from Cura da Terra. And it's very important to show how we can work together and share our experiences. So this video was a product of that meeting that we had. And it was in the framework of uh, March 8th, International Women's Day. Año 2021. El 1% de la humanidad ha excedido los límites planetarios para sostener un modelo económico que pone el dinero por encima de la vida. Un sistema 
en el que los países más ricos del norte global son responsables del 92% de las emisiones de gases de efecto invernadero, mientras el sur global paga las consecuencias de la crisis climática. La influencia humana en el cambio climático está relacionada con el ecocidio y el genocidio que mantiene los privilegios de unos pocos a costa de la vida de los pueblos que resguardan el 80% de la biodiversidad del planeta, de quienes caminamos suavemente sobre la Tierra y tenemos la huella ecológica más pequeña. Los pueblos que están defendiendo sus territorios ante el extractivismo y de las prácticas que ponen en riesgo la vida del planeta son soluciones vivas a la crisis climática. Por eso nos preguntamos, ¿por qué esto aún no es un sentido común? Las mujeres indígenas estamos aquí siendo árboles, conectándonos a través de nuestras raíces en todos los espacios de la tierra. Nuestra raíz es ancestral. En ella viven nuestras abuelas y abuelos, que nos enseñaron a defender la red de la vida. Volvemos a nuestra raíz para escuchar a la sabia de sabias, la tierra, que nos dice que a los golpes y las heridas se les responde con flores y con frutos. Tomamos esta sabiduría y nos hacemos una con ella para sanar nuestras heridas, nuestras violencias, nuestros enojos para dar un mejor aporte, para vibrar con abundad la ternura y la capacidad transformadora de la tierra para convertirnos en eso y seguir fortaleciendo la cura de la tierra. Hemos elegido diferentes caminos, pero construimos puentes para curar la tierra a través de la palabra, del arte, las plantas medicinales, protegiendo las semillas, los bosques, los sagrados ríos, trenzando nuestros conocimientos, ofrendando, reconociendo nuestras historias y la de nuestras abuelas, sanando nuestros cuerpos, conservando nuestras memorias. Nos han hecho creer que la cura de la tierra es algo difícil, que es algo inalcanzable. Pero no es cierto. Juntas estamos curando la tierra. Porque no olvidamos quiénes somos y porque estamos al servicio de la vida. Plantaré un sentimiento, araré, 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 el aire. Yo sembraré un canto, plantaré la esperanza, araré, 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 el alba y sembraré auroras. Plantaré el horizonte. Muchas gracias por Thank you so much for this video. And this really reflects on what we had spoken on our assembly on Cura la Terra. And it also arises from this need of intersecting 
women that are defending the territories and the violences that we face from our women condition. To begin, I would like to say some things. First of all, I would like to say that women live the worst effects of the climate change. 80% of women displaced are, are people displaced are women. We do not only live the crisis of the climate change, but we live with the causes. Climate change is a symptom of a larger disease, which is an intersection between colonialism, patriarchy, because the main cause causes of crisis are those who promote extractive activities in our territories. That is why talking about crime crisis is talking about extractivism. This is why we want to talk about women who are interweaving life and showing alternatives. From this space, we center our histories because we do not forget that gender inequalities and insecurities connected are not only concepts, these are histories of thousands of people that live through this. Today, in the framework of this event, we want to talk about other stories. We want to invite you to listen to those who are defending life, and they are living solutions to the climate crisis. And we want to change the narrative because our fight needs to be intersectional. We need to change the domination relations that are against women, territories, and indigenous people in any space and against any social group and nature, because only then will we be able to imagine other future possibilities. Now, I give the floor to Carmen so that she can initiate this conversation. Thank you so much, Mitzi, for your very powerful words and for highlighting the crucial role that indigenous women have to achieve climate justice. And without further ado, because we know that you are very, very looking forward to listening from our panelists, let's move on to the conversation and hear from them. Um, para empezar, Erandi, Maria, Choc, Maria. Erandi, Maria Choc, and Maria Jose, I would like you to talk uh, to us about who you are and where are you talking to us from? I'm going to begin with you, Erandi. Thank you so much, Carmen. It is a real pleasure to share with you this conversation. I am a Purechepa woman, originary from the Paracho Michoacan in Mexico town. I am part of the collective Enmienda in Tiempo de Lluvia. This collective is mainly joined by uh, women and community women and healing healer women. I am part of the indigenous collective and at the same time, the women defensors, defenders of the earth. We traveled to Glasgow last year and we were there speaking out, representing the women that are in the front lines of the struggle. 
and we are also representing our peoples in Mexico and in Guatemala. Through our Colectivo Emenda, we work on re-energizing the knowledge in, in terms of healing, not only healing people, but also the territory. We try to include the entire population and also bringing awareness in terms of the importance of forests for our ways of life. Thank you so much. Thank you, Erandi. Now we can introduce Maria Chok. Thank you, Maria Chok, for introducing yourself. Good morning. Greetings from our territory in Guatemala. It is an honor for me to be here in, in with you sharing experiences of our life. Uh, what I am going to talk to you, I bring it in my mind. I don't have it on a document because we live this reality every day in terms of the transcendental climate change. I am Maria Chok. I am an indigenous woman, 42 years old. I was born in these ancestral lands. Currently, we are facing monoculture businesses extractive businesses, cattle raising, and drug industry. For me, it is an honor to talk about these subjects. As a, an indigenous woman, I can say that we are vulnerable and we are not taken into account from our daily living, from our ho home, from our children, and from our social context, we face all these issues. Women is the fundamental base of this planet, both Mother Earth, we towards Mother Earth, and Mother Earth towards us, we provide life. I am a defender of human rights, and I also am a defender of the territory. I am an interpreter of the Quechi, my mother tongue, into Spanish. And we have been defending this territory with our ovaries well, well positioned. We go to the courts and we defend our rights. We know very well that talking about these issues is going into the most vulnerable space of human beings. And that's the reason why we are criminalized. Maria Chok here at your services. Thank you so much, Maria Chok, for your presentation. And now, Maria Jose, if you can also introduce yourself for our audience. Thank you so much and welcome as well. Good morning. I am Majo Andrade Cerda. I am from the commu community in Ecuador, the Amazon rainforest. I am visiting one of my communities in the area. I am in the Zapata community. It is very important for me 
to be here because we are also in a struggle from our women organization. I am now in part of the women guards organization. We are we recently started to organize in the Amazon in this region. Two years ago, we began as women to organize because government did not uh, ask us, but they did provide permission for foreign mining businesses and companies. And they are trying to violate our women, both our women, rights, our people's rights, and also the nature's rights. We are trying to fight against these companies that have legal permits to be here. And also there are illegal companies and operators in the region. Women here are being threat threatened. The president of the Provincia de Napo and myself, we are being threatened just because I am, or we are defending what is ours, our home. This has happened many times. And we are being threatened because we are trying to defend what is ours. I am willing and happy to change all we can with you in this space to make of this one voice, one force against these industries that are taking away our lives. Thank you so much for your introductions. I think that there is this aspect that's important about understanding these issues of climate change and how this affects women's bodies. So I think that this is very valuable that we can talk about our experiences or daily experiences here in this space because this struggle seems like it's far away from indigenous territories, but it's not. What I would like to do is to ask these questions and if you could give us more details, you could tell us what are some of the issues that you're facing in your territories that are linked to the climate crisis. How are your territories facing this crisis? I would like to, first of all, ask Erandi to speak to this, uh, who's from Mexico. Go ahead, Erandi. Thank you, Mitzi. Well, this first question, of course, opens up the conversation and it makes me think first of all, of this struggle, as Maho and Maria have mentioned, where you're constantly feeling threatened, where you're criminalized, where it affects your way of life directly. And it is not sustainable to keep your traditional ways of life. What we're seeing in Michoacán first of all, is the avocado monoculture. This is threatening trees since the 20s and the 40s and in the 70s and even now. This is also 
invading territories in the Sarahs where I'm from, and it's also affecting communities. These effects throughout the decades have, of course, been that we don't have enough water for everyday use for people to use and consume. And first of all, this affected the cities, but now it's also affecting all of the towns and the communities. We have pine forests where our communities live, and we see that these forests are threatened. Monoculture also uses pesticides that leach into the soil and they also pollute the water. We have a lot of diseases that are not apparent, but we as communities have to face this because we have to use this water, this polluted water. And this doesn't show up in any of the official reports, so it's invisible. So we are raising our voices, first of all, to talk about that, you know, we shouldn't fall into these trappings of development because development is leading to death. On the other hand, in Mexico, there are several projects, and I actually dare to talk about this because I'm working with these groups that are trying to defend the territory and the peoples against these projects. Right now, we have these mega projects in Mexico that are causing ecocide, they are causing social problems, they cause violence, threats to the defenders of the land. And we have a project in Morelos there is mining, there's monoculture, there's also what they call the Mayan tra uh, train. And right now it is causing ecocide in this territory. We don't see this in reports, but we live it every day. We live these threats in our everyday life, in our territories. So that's why it's important, as Maria and Maho has said, it's important to network so that we can sustain ourselves, so we can keep going with the struggle. But most of all, and what's most important in my opinion, is that we need to make the people that take these, that make these decisions to see what the consequences are, because we want to maintain or ways of life that are linked to all of these spaces, all of the nature. These ancestral ways of life that are not based on extract extractivism. We take what we need, but we always let life and nature grow in our territories. So from Michoacán, that's what's happening. And it is getting worse. The monoculture consequences are getting worse. And, you know, we see deaths. We see that our rights are violated. 
and it keeps affecting people that raise their voices to that want to change these conditions. So what we're going through is something very serious because our life is at stake. It affects us and sometimes this, you know, we just have to see what we're able to do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Arandi. I think that part of this conversation, this very necessary conversation, is to talk about climate crisis, but especially to talk about what is causing this and what extractivism is doing in our territories. So I think it's very important to focus there because in conversations that take place in international venues, they don't talk about that. At, COP, at the COP26, they don't talk about who are the people that are responsible for this crisis and what its effects are. So I think that this conversation is very necessary. And I think what everybody here is talking about is the daily effects of this crisis. So now I want to ask Maria Chok and how these climate crisis, what is happening in Estor in Guatemala? Well, once again, this is Maria Chok, and I will try to answer the first question and to share with you, with everyone that is participating here on this platform, that everyone that is listening to us, sometimes technology, you know, it's here and, you know, sometimes we don't all have access to technology. But what I do want to say is that I have some poetry from a Guatemalan poet. I will keep quiet to listen to you, but don't speak to make me be quiet. What are the issues that we face today in our in indigenous lands? Well, first of all, the abuse of power from Congress, from our government, because they come to our territories without our consent, because the law the Constitution in Guatemala says that people that have lived for 10 years on, on a certain territory, they are the owners. Well, our grandmothers or grandfathers were born here and they left all of this for us. We have an ancestral right and that is what we are fighting for. But abuse of power really comes from all of these mining concessions, when all of these extractivist companies from other companies and other countries come to our territory to evict us from our lands, to burn our houses, to burn our clothes, to burn our crops, our ancestral crops. And for women, 
women have to run from the fields in order to protect the lives of our children if we have children but we also defend and we are here to defend what's ours because we also face these injustices there are many stories a lot of personal stories here but this is the violence that we are experiencing that indigenous people in Latin American countries are experiencing because the white man is coming here to steal our natural resources I have faced so many violent evictions due to mining in our town in Estor but also in the whole valley in Polochic in this whole area there have been violent evictions because these monoculture companies come over and these are related to palm oil and sugarcane and I have been there facing all of this injustice and I interpret from my native language to Spanish because many of the people we speak the first language that is taught to us that is our native language and you know Guatemala has 24 languages and one of them is my language which which is Kekchi so since I speak Spanish then I interpret from Kekchi, Kekchi my native tongue to Spanish also we need to be heard in our own language but I know I have seen with my very own eyes with my heart I have seen that women have been raped I have seen and I have this image in my brain I have seen many women murdered for example here Adolfo Ichabal was murdered Antonio Beckbeck was also murdered Maria Margarita Choctuk was also murdered so where is that law that helps us as indigenous people how is it that these companies can cause all of this destruction we have hydropower companies we have mining companies and they tell us that as indigenous people we are the ones that damage the ecosystem and the flora and the fauna but they are wrong because it is the indigenous people who ask for permission from the sacred mountain from the river from every living being even a rock even that we even ask them for permission so we see that there is abuse and we see the violation of our rights as indigenous people as in ancestral communities and we fight for our territory because Latin American countries here where we are 
these are native communities and we defend our territory and because of that we are criminalized besides that part of our experience because also at my age my parents suffered they had to migrate because they were evicted from their lands we've had to endure rapes when the Germans were here so this story is hard we don't have a solution to these problems and these companies they all want to take advantage of us and our lands and this is harming all of this human life and it really it harms everybody later on I will talk about the cause of all of these consequences you know that the oil companies the mining companies and the monoculture companies bring thank you so much Maria I think it's really important to link the fact that all of these projects come in a group because the mining industry degrades the soil and needs a lot of water and also this is one of the main causes of conflict in all of Latin America so I think that we need to keep talking about all of these issues that we see in indigenous communities and as Maria has said these are linked to violence and so now I want to hand the mic over to Maho so that she can tell us what is her experience in her territory. As I was saying at the beginning, we are experiencing a very, very difficult uh, problem because of mining, mostly in my community. We've always been abandoned by the state, local, and regional authorities. It is very unjust to be seen as just one additional resource in the community. As Maria said, we are communities, we have life, and for us, every creature is alive. And to be seen as a mere object, resource, for which the best solution is to exploit it, we need to denounce that structural violence that indigenous people suffer. And above all, women are seen as objects and they can provide the largest production. That's the view. And that's really the case of mining, but as Maria was saying, there are many other fronts. That we are struggling with. In fact, our sisters in our Equatoria, Ecuadorian Amazons, they are also suffering from oil exploitation. Our president went to the COP to expand the maritime reserve in Galapagos. And 
at the same time, he was imposing decrees in these areas, in our areas, in the Amazon areas, in terms of oil and mining exploitation. So it is very important to take into account how this patriarchal and capitalist system sees women as objects. Our current struggle against mining also includes the exploitation of my sacred river, the High Lines lands. And also, I recently was in an area where there are part of the oil exploitation and extraction facilities that are emitting gas, and they are killing thousands of birds and other fauna. This is one of the most diverse areas in the world, the Amazons, and they are killing us slowly. We have resistance groups against these extractive industries, and we are trying to protect also our brothers and sisters that are even more isolated than us. We are not only taking on this fight for us, but also for them. Uh, recently, a compañera, a sister, was saying that we need to protect our communities because it is going to cities. But that's not really the thought. I am fighting because it affects all of us. I am fighting to protect my river because it is in the Amazons and it will go down to the ocean. I don't want my brothers and sisters that are living along the river to suffer the same consequences. It's not only for me, it's for the planet as a whole and for future generations. I don't have children yet, but my grandmother told me, protect this territory so that you can enjoy this as we did and for you to enjoy it with your children. This is not only a matter of trying to say no to a development project just because, no. From my community, from our sisters and our alliances, what we are doing is trying to be heard and to be respected in our forms of life. If we don't want a project, it's really because we have a reason. It's because our ancestors taught us to live by respecting our nature and our decisions and our autonomy, which is our own right, needs to be respected. Thank you so much, Maho. There are many contradictions that we can see between the actions that supposedly governments and international forums are doing to face crisis, climate crisis, but they are not really addressing extractivism, consequences of mining or the death of defensor, defenders of the territories and environmental defenders. And I want to reinforce what all of you have been telling us through your stories is that after the Paris Accord was signed, death of 
one third of the death of defenders in the territory were people that were part of indigenous communities. This peoples, they are safeguarding 80% of the planet's diversity. More than one in 10 defenders murdered in 2020 were women. In the case of Mexico, between two, 1994 and 2013, in Mexico, 60 sexual assaults against indigenous and peasant women by armed forces were recorded. And these are only the ones that are recorded. Many, many others haven't been recorded. So that's just to add to say that these issues are happening in many, many territories as well. And I believe that part of this conversation is also important to say that indigenous women defenders are organizing. We in our territories are organizing, and but it is important for us to be seen because these are the issues that are raised, but there are also we are also creating other alternatives. Now I would like to ask you, how are indigenous women resisting all these death projects and how are they weaving and organizing their actions to face this? I would like to begin by Majo again. Yes, Mitzi, it is beautiful also to talk about the solutions that we are coming up with as women because I believe that we understand much better than other people uh, the community life. In Kichwi, we have a word that is haku, and this means let's go forward, let's go ahead. That's our lemma, our motto. It means that nobody has to stay behind. We want to progress and advance together because united we are much stronger and we can resist better and that's what we've been doing we the women we have that perspective of interweaving many things we have this capacity this ability because we understand community life from yuri warney we don't only do a territorial guard and work on our, our oppose the projects that are damaging us. We are also proposing alternatives uh, that reinforce our life, ways of life. Our territorial guard is very connected to the, in, the protection of our indigenous lifestyles. And also we have ancestral medicine which is very important because during the pandemic, it was very hard to get attention or care in a hospital because they were afraid that we would infect them. And sometimes they don't even understand our language. They give us the same medication for a headache or for a stomach ache. And it's not respectful. We need to be respected. And also we need our art and culture to be respected. This is very important for our indigenous communities. We are slowly losing our languages, our languages 
And as human beings, we are connected with nature. Recently, as I was saying before, we began doing something that is significant. We need to resist together as a collective. There are around 14 native peoples in Ecuador. And we need to continue to protect our spaces that have been restricted by the dominant structures. And with our friends from and compañeras from Futuros Indígenas, we are very grateful because we get invigorated by your stories of courage. It doesn't matter how, how violent and sexist the struggle can be. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Maho. We couldn't really hear the last part, but we do understand that you're having issues with uh, your internet connection. So I think that we can highlight the importance of listening to women that are defenders and to the alternatives that they're presenting, their ways of resistance. We see that many of these communities already have these alternatives. Thank you so much, Maho, for participating and also for talking to us about this beautiful experience and to see what's being done about these projects, these mining projects. Now I want to ask Erandi, what are these alternatives that indigenous women are presenting to these issues that we mentioned previously? Thank you, Mitzi. I think that I want to highlight something that everyone here has mentioned, and it's this idea, this tool that capitalism and colonialism have used, which is to objectify everything that for us is life the objectification of our diversity. They see us as this object. They see all of us as this object. And for them, we're nothing but a resource that has to be extracted from these territories that are far away in the global north. and. They do that to sustain a way of life that has nothing to do with our way of life. For the global north, their solutions are our problems. So that death that we're facing 
in our daily life in our territories because every day it gets closer these consequences are closer and the ways of life that they want to impose on us it's part of this objectification mechanism and it is a very important problem in our communities and you know some of our community members want to adopt these ways of life but that is problematic problematic because the patriarchy and colonialism are not good so these new lifestyles are also linked to money prestige economic advancement and women know how to manage the water how to manage life in general and I'm talking about this because how do we face or how do we resist this for us as women in our collective we started to revitalize all of our ancestral knowledge about medicinal plants because we saw that this was necessary on one hand because the state offers health solutions that aren't really solutions and then also you know we have the pandemic and there is fear of being infected and so we were able to get away from those spaces and build our own solutions also we realized that the forest was very sick so we started to offer workshops and talks in the community we invited women children young people and we also invited men because we think it's important to return to this way of healing through the plants the medicinal plants on our territory and for the monoculture industry all of this is a burden right like they will clear all of that to plant but to us these plants are medicine we also started to raise awareness in our communities that the forest is life our lives are linked to the forest it has a yearly cycle and we use many plants from the forest so this is endangered because sometimes we believe in this idea of development that this is going to bring a better quality of life but it's not true so if we start from healing and healing amongst women we started to build strength and this way we can improve our relationship with the land and this is important because our very first connection which you know may seem like it should be obvious but it isn't always that obvious is that we do have to take care of the land also we need to take care of each other as women sometimes that is the very first front in this fight 
what we face as women, especially in very traditional communities, where there are very strict gender roles. And so when we start to go beyond these roles, we are also attacked. And this happens on a daily basis. So for us, our greatest strength is to heal with plants, with the forest, and to talk to other women, to talk to other women that have organized in other communities. The Futuros Indígenas Network and all of the defenders of the earth, we consider that this is important. As the video mentioned, to heal ourselves with the earth. This is very important to interweave all of these struggles, to be able to heal our bodies, which is our first territory, but also to strengthen ourselves. And these things aren't addressed at these venues where people make decisions. They don't talk about spirituality. And you know, when women get together, we realize that we really are powerful. And if we can harness this in all of these struggles, we realize why they don't want us to come together and organize. Because capitalism has always tried to divide us. Because we really do have power. We have power to change the world. So if we heal with the earth, that is very important. And to start to interweave all of these networks as women, as people who struggle here. Thank you so much, Erandi. Thank you so much for your reflections. I also want to ask Maria Choc so that she can answer this question and if she can comment on what everybody else has said, has said but what is the resistance from women, like what are women doing in the face of all of these issues and problems that are linked to climate crisis? First of all, in women's life, we are always labeled as the lower or less important. How has we resisted this? We become leaders and defenders. These are pillars to defend our territory. When we do that, we are defending our bodies, our women bodies, and our life as women. We love life. And that is why we continue with this resistance and our voice of rescue. Those issues that affect our daily lives are, among others, discrimination, invisibility, racism. This is in every, every space. It is, it even starts at, in our communities. We begin creating this collective energy and our organization in order to resist all this climate change. Because 
when we start to organize, the first thing that these companies do is they start sending their dogs. That's what we call them here. That's the people that they pay to be spies and to break the articulation and the organization that we have already built. In Maria Chok's life, that's her life. That's what has happened. She has been persecuted and she has been threatened. Who paid for that? The mining companies. There is this character, Rafael Antora. I want to say that he is a dog of one of the companies that has come into our com communities and our territories to break our collective organizations. And they say, there go the bitches organizing again. There they are going looking for a man, the bitches. They are trying to see what they can get. Those are traumatic words for our body, for our minds, for our hearts. And that's where our collective force, sisters, that's where it comes from. That's where we can continue to take the force to interweave our resistance. I can mention many, many names, but I only mentioned one because that person continues to do what he does. There was a, an old company, Canadian company that was here, but because it had been evicting so many people in the past, we sued them. We, we sued them for 11 rapes. and for a traumatic injury to a young boy. And a third demand or sue that I carried on, even though I have no academic education, but we were furious and that's why we walked and struggled and fought for justice. But what is happening with the company, they are saying that everything that we are presenting is false. Even though we did take enough evidence to the court, everything that we've taken to Canadian courts is real. And we even have a historical armed conflict in Guatemala. And we continue to resist and to go to the Canadian courts. But this company is selling their actions to another company at a very lower price. They are doing that because they do not want to pay all the damage that they have caused. So Maria Chalk has been walking this path for 15 years searching, seeking justice for all these actions from these minings that affect our bodies, our territories. We are sick from 
all these actions coming from these companies. And what helps us? This harmonious organization of our peoples and of our forests, because that's the way we can heal our waters and they heal our bodies and our minds. These harms are not only against our body and our minds, it is also harming and damaging our ecosystems. Our animals, our, our farm animals don't grow the same way that as that they grew in the past, now they have more diseases. Climate change is also creating, being created by the emissions of these companies and the waters in our rivers are also being contaminated by these companies. There is many things that we can talk to explain what climate change is doing to our lives, our lives as women. Thank you so much, Maria, Maria Chok. This is precisely what we need to talk when we are in a space like this, where we are trying to intersect gender and climate change. Exactly, this is what we should be talking about, violence against women and our struggle against this extractive and patriarchal violence against our peoples and women are facing these issues mainly. Thank you so much, Maria Cho, because you remind us of how important it is to see how our peoples fight not only against government and companies, but also against an entire system that is being violent against us and that wants to eliminate us. And we have to say it this way. And I would love to go deeper into all of the things that you've been saying because they are so important. But I would like to provide a space for questions from our audience. You can open your mic if you have a question. But first, I would ask you to please raise your hand if you want to pose a question for our compañeras, our sisters that are here sharing her stories with us. Thank you so much for allowing us to share your struggles as well and your stories, because these are not theoretical concepts. These are things that we are experiencing and that they hurt. And it's not easy to talk about this uh, with other people. So I really, really appreciate you sharing with us and opening up to us to share with us all these pain that is experienced from our territories and from women that are defending life. It seems like we don't have a question. If you can share with us, Maria, if you can repeat, what is the company that you, what is the name of the company that you have been mentioning so the audience can have that clear? Maria, si nos puedes mencionar cuál es el nombre de la minera. Maria, can you mention what the name of the mining company is so that the uh, audience can be aware of exactly what you were saying? 
Yes, in order to go deeper in this, into this topic, I would like to also mention that before Hudben Mineral came here, there was an old company called Smimak in our territory. And that was in the 60s, 70s, and 80s when their concession was ended. They worked here for 40 years. This company, Exmival, it is a United States company. Mining companies locate themselves in those areas where they find water, where they have a river. And this company evicted communities there and they occupied Santo Tomas de Castilla, Puerto Barrios, Izabal. That's the entrance that that leads to the Caribbean or rather that's an opening from the Caribbean Sea. And they also worked hand on hand with the fruit company, the banana company. And they also affected many Puerto Barrios communities. When their concession was done, then we had Hood Bain Minerals in 2004, 2005 coming in in our territory without our consent they did not consult the inhabitants of this territory. Hood Bay Minerals Resource is a subsidiary with Proyecto Fenis of Guatemala. That's a consortium of deputies that are part of our, gov our government here in Guatemala. So Hood Bay Minerals, subsidiary of Proyecto Fenix, when we sued them in Canada, they sold their stocks to Sol Right Rusa, and that's the one that is operating currently in our territory. But Sol Y Rusa is not alone. They are also financing Ukrainians. So Ukrainians and Russians are the ones operating illegally in our territory currently. They have massacred us, they have intimidated us, and they have threatened us. Until today, we have been criminalized. Many defenders last year had to find or seek shelter because we did go on a strike to demand previous, the consultation to our native communities to see if that community could really operate here. But no, these consortiums just arrange, make their arrangements are higher level in governments. And that is why our communities are run over. Thank you, Maria, for clarifying that question. We would also ask Majo or Erandi, whoever wants to answer. What do you, what do non-governmental organizations and global institutions have to take into account when they want to offer policies to promote the rights of women and the rights for the territory? We can begin with you, Majo. 
Yes. Well, let's see. I think that in any situation, what's very important is that women and indigenous communities are consulted. As Maria just mentioned, it is very important to consult, to have consent. This is the interpreter speaking. The audio is very choppy. I will continue to interpret when I can hear the message. So, so in those situations, it doesn't make sense to bring these issues up because when they have these dialogues or these negotiations, women are not included. Indigenous women are not included. Sometimes they only call on the indigenous women that are close to the cities. I'm in the territory Sapara and I just met some women recently because of these struggles that we're all linking together. This is the interpreter again. The audio is very choppy. Maho, I think that we're having difficulty hearing you. Hello, can you hear me? Uh, try again. Maybe we can hear you better now. Maho, can you hear us? What we can do is, Erandi, if you want to answer that question, and then we can go back to Maho. Thank you, Erandi. Thank you. I think something that's important is to respect the people's autonomy especially for the ones that have been fighting for a long time that have very special and specific demands. The way that organizations and states can support these communities is to honor these demands and these struggles. What we have seen is that state involvement is basically just to turn their back on the people. And they only pay attention to interest and demands that come from other places or other companies that are not the indigenous people. Within these resistance movements, you know, that have come from years of struggle, colonialism, and violence, we can strengthen ourselves, we can network amongst ourselves. And I think 
that would be great progress because then we can see that there is interest in trying to solve some of these issues in these countries. When we went to Glasgow as defenders, it was very difficult to see and to feel in our bodies how we are invisible, first of all as women and then also as members of indigenous communities in these spaces that are so far away that talk about how to solve climate change. And this is where they negotiate, where decisions are made about our territories. So how do we understand how these summits, these are spaces where decisions are made about what other business deal is going to happen in the world. And, you know, they do lip service to green solutions to climate change and the climate crisis. But, you know, we see extractivism in our territories. So how to understand, you know, that the state is one of the main allies to these companies that have these projects in our indigenous territories. So just recognizing that is a step forward because we unfortunately have to be wary of these partnerships because we are criminalized just for defending our ways of life and the real criminals are not here they are elsewhere so we have to take a look at that they are criminals so these are like white-collar criminals to put it in those terms but they're making decisions that affect our peoples and our territory so we need to demand respect for autonomy and for communities to make their own decisions and we also need to find a way to make all of this more visible there needs to be more dialogue with the indigenous communities We have a question as well from, uh, is it Maria Fernanda? Would you still like to ask your question to the panel? Bueno. Te escuchamos, Maria Fernanda. Hello, Maria Fernanda. Yes, we can hear you. Thank you so much. Go ahead. Well, thank you to everybody here. More than a question, I just wanted to share a reflection. Well, so I am an artist, I draw, and you know, I'm all into abstract thinking. Thinking. So I see that there is this transition in con cognition, right, which is exactly what we're talking about here, this change about how we perceive life. So I think that ev behind every power structure, there is a person. So in that sense, motherhood is an act of resistance. Because 
we see these people that don't have this relationship with life, with living beings, but maybe we can change this. When you talk about, you know, their solutions are our problems, you know, they seem to think that that's the right solution, but we can think about how we can make them see that they are hurting us and they're hurting everyone. So I would look there, motherhood and maternity, you know, feminine aspects. So I think, you know, that's what I want to contribute here. And thank you so much for giving the, me the opportunity uh, to speak. And, you know, I give you much respect, my support, and all of your struggles. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maria Fernanda, for your reflection. This conversation has been so eye-opening and moving. And I'm now going to pass to Mitzi, who will help us to close the session. Adelante, Mitzi. Go ahead, Mitzi. Thank you so much, Carmen. Now I want to let our panelists have just a minute or two so that they can tell us what would you say to these organizations, to these governments, to all of these people and organizations that are talking about climate change and gender equality. So what does that mean? What does justice mean for indigenous communities? What would you tell these people? So I want to give one or two minutes per person, if you could tell us a little bit about that. And I will start with Maria Chuck. I would like to conclude by, you, by paraphrasing a poet in our country, the great Tapa, as we call him. He says, Tatabal, it's not that rocks are not able to talk, they just are quiet and silent. I think that we've talked about issues and subjects that really have gotten to our heart and they have talked to our spark and to our intelligence and our feelings. I have carried the bodies of many leaders, women, men that have been killed for defending our territory. And when we defend our territory, we are defending climate the concept we are defending against the climate change. 
I am asking international organizations, and I know that this is possible because we've been able to do that against Hudbai Minerals. And since today I am in house arrest because I was an interpreter from my native language to Spanish, I cannot do many things now, but I am asking you as media to please call out against these Russian and Ukrainian companies that have been damaging the lives in our territories. Women's lives have been hit by climate change. When we talk about the life of women, we also talk about the life of nature from where we obtain our sacred food. When we talk about water, many of our, a lot of our food comes from water, but many of the companies that work with monocultures and others are ending our artisanal fishing. Also, our cultivation in our small spaces are also part of our livelihood and our lands are being damaged by so many agrotoxics, agrotoxics. Women, please come together, look into social media and come to our territory. We want to see you here. We wait for you here to see what is happening. We need justice and transparency for women that work in every front. Thank you so much for listening to me. And I hope that we continue interweaving justice into the lives of our women in our ancestral territories, Latin America, Central America, the Amazons, and all of our indigenous people's territories. Thank you so much for your words. I would also uh, say something about Maho uh, put in our chat because she had to leave because of our, her connection issues. She wants to ask everybody to join the struggle of women's and that is also done from respecting our ways of life and our ideas of creation. We can do that by respecting other ways of understanding life. Now I will uh, pass the floor to Randy to uh, give her her final comments. Thank you so much, Mitzi. In the network of Futuros Indígenas, we have a very important mission that is hacking these narratives on climate change. I want to invite you to join the hacking of these narratives. What does that mean? As we've been talking about in this space, it means to see every the cl climate change from our livelihoods, our ways of life, and our beliefs and our territories. 
we are being imposed solutions and understanding of the climate change. We need to look at it from other realities, extractivism, criminalization of defenders of their land. And we need to see these, this other perspective. This is a very important objective that we have, but we have a series of actions that you can join not only from indigenous communities, but also from cities. We have a phrase that says that roots can break through cement. That means that in cities, there are also people that are really linked to life and they have this root that is also connected with us. We have that in Mexico and all Latin American uh, cities and countries, we understand that even in the global north, there are some live roots and that can metaphorically break through that cement that is trying to cover us. So it also means to be sensitive and open to these other perspectives, not join. Some people don't join any struggle until the issue reaches them. So people in cities sometimes feel don't join the struggle because they don't feel affected, but we do need to rethink and talk about these issues from what they are. I also invite you to avoid this catastrophic narrative that presents a non presents the inability of solutions. I really thank you for this invitation. I hope that you can take away something from this conversation and panel. And I really want to thank everybody from their struggle in their territories, Majo, Maria, and from our strength in our territory, we send you this strength. I know that it is not easy, and I really thank you for sharing with us. To Maria, to Majo, and with that, thank you everyone for such a dynamic and open discussion. There are some real threads there that will be important to take forward into the CSW forums and the final document on gender and climate. We recommend you to check out our most recent aligned briefing on global feminist experiences of mobilizing for norm change and meet this guest ODI and aligned blog on why indigenous voices matter in the fight for climate and gender justice. There are some links in, it, in the chat, as you can see, both cover and dive into some of the issues brought up today. So do share on social media and we look forward to you joining another ODI event soon. Thank you so much again.